Well, hello. It is July 7th, 2020. Yesterday, Patty Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs did something. Did something real big. Did something real long. And they did it in a beautiful fashion. Ten-year extension for Patty Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs. Added on to the two years he has left for his rookie year, 12-year deal, that people are saying is worth either $477 million or one person reported $503 million. At least $147 or $170 guaranteed. Let's go, Pat Mahomes. All the motherfucking cheddar. All the monies. He's already an MVP, already a Super Bowl champ. Andy Reid's got his guy now out in Kansas City. And they backloaded that deal a bit. I, I took a look-see at it. Tom Pelissaro tweeted out a, a very, very busy graph of numbers. But they're going to be paying him a lot of money. How are they going to pay everybody else? That's going to be the big question. And will they need to pay everybody else? Pat Mahomes is motherfucking good. He'll put that team on his back. And I have to agree with my friend Swagoo, Marcus Spears. He posted on Instagram. He said, hey, listen, there's a lot of other guys that are waiting for their deals. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Baker Mayfield, if he has a year. There's a lot of younger quarterbacks that are looking at this deal thinking, oh, this could be me. This could be me. I'm not sure anybody else is going to get a Patrick Mahomes-like deal because Patrick Mahomes is... The face of the franchise or face of the league at this point. Just fresh off that Super Bowl championship, MVP. I mean, he's just the guy. Now, Tom Brady's obviously Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson, unbelievable football player. But with that Chiefs team going into next year and the year after that, and now with Patty for the next 12 years, Pat Mahomes posted a video and said, hey, we're trying to build a dynasty here. You can see how that could fucking happen. A lot of money for Patty Mahomes, though. The internet obviously torn. You got a lot of people that are incredibly happy for both sides here, getting a deal done long term. Normally, this doesn't happen. A lot of trust from Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of trust from the Kansas City Chiefs and the Patrick Mahomes. Long-term business in professional sports, especially in a sport that doesn't have guaranteed deals, doesn't normally happen. But look at them getting it done. And Patrick Mahomes is standing here. Potentially $500 million richer if he was to spend $0 and pay zero taxes. Still a lot of motherfucking money. And then there's other people who are like, hey, he's going to crash out. Not good. Pay the quarterback too much money. Won't be able to win games. Now, I understand that stats do say that. If you pay the wrong quarterback too much money, you will not be able to win a Super Bowl. But it feels like Patty Mahomes is a guy who's already won a Super Bowl and will be able to do so again, especially with that beautiful mind, Andy Reid, drawing up plays on a fucking dry erase board, taking that pen wherever for Tyreek Hill to run around or Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, they got weapons on top of weapons. How are they going to pay everybody? Nobody knows, but they paid the shit out of Patrick Mahomes. And I didn't think it was going to be possible because they had next to nothing on their salary cap. After the Super Bowl, they're like, Pat Mahomes is going to sign a long, big $200 million guaranteed deal.
And then I kind of drifted away. Everybody else's conversation started. Quarantine started. COVID-19 started. Dak Prescott still hadn't got his deal done. Nobody really talked about it. Kind of disappeared from conversation because if you looked at the chief salary cap, you'd say, ain't no motherfucking way they're going to pay Petty Moms. Here they are. They got it done. What a deal. What a deal. All right. Happy for him. You know, I probably should have played quarterback, you know, threw the ball about 30 yards further, better hair, taller. All the things Patrick Mahomes is, faster, smarter, higher football IQ. You get it. Should have done all that. But instead, I talk into microphones at a pretty good rate, they say. I hope you enjoy the hell out of today's show. If you do, please tell a friend to listen. If you don't, just act like this never fucking happened. Cheers. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, head coach of Arizona State, a man who is a legend in the NFL, not only as a player, but as a coach and as an analyst. Whenever he went to Arizona State to coach, I was very confused, but it seems like he's having a hell of a time. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary coach, Herm Edwards. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're muted. You're muted, coach. Come on, coach. You're muted. We're good. We're not muted anymore. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> How are you? I wanted, to hear, I wanted to hear the complete, uh, you know, introduction. That was so good. I mean, it's just unbelievable, man. <laughs> hey, well, I appreciate I've always enjoyed the hell out of you on the uh, when you're on TV. I loved your energy. I love your passion. I love the way you talk. And then whenever you decided to go be the coach at Arizona State, I think everybody on earth in the football world was surprised. Why did you end up going back to college ball? Is it just something you felt the need to get back into the game a little bit? I missed the opportunity to uh, to teach. Uh, and because coaches are teachers, uh, no, no coach in the history of ever coaching any sport has given a player talent. God gives them talent. Mm. Uh, you have the ability to do is give them knowledge. And I miss the classroom. I miss coaching coaches. Um, and I think the Under Armour game was the one that kind of got my juices flowing again. And I coached that for eight years. And a lot of those kids obviously went on to play pro football. But that got me interested again. And then with Arizona State, uh, the uh, AD uh, – Obviously, it was my agent at one time, was Tony's agent, a bunch of us, Marvin's agent. <laughs> uh, that kind of came into play uh, along with the president and the vision they have of, of really of what they're trying to do here it was a vision I had as well. So it was a good situation. I talked about this just in the first hour about how the NFL union unanimously voted against preseason games, which I could they would have done any year, by the way. <laughs> if the NFLPA was given the opportunity to vote against the preseason, every year would have been a unanimous vote. But then they, they laid out this plan that they think could work. Three days right. for medical and equipment. Then there's like 14 or 21 days of workouts and 14 days of unpadded practice and 10 days or whatever. And all I could think about was the coaches as soon as they get a chance to get on the field, just exploding with coaching. I couldn't even fathom it. What have you guys been preparing for? Because college football is a much larger question mark than the NFL at this point. Nobody has a clue what the hell is going to happen, Coach. Well, I think what we've done, and this is our last group in, we've had groups in um, in sessions. In other words, we started about a week ago and uh, brought guys in. Uh, and now our last class of, of, of freshmen are coming in. So now we have a total of about 100 guys. But all they're doing right now, Pat, is they're just they're working out, uh, 10 in a group. They basically come through the building. Um, they get, obviously, their, their temperature. Uh, they get tested once a week. Then they work out with the weight coaches, and we split them up in groups. They never come upstairs to our building. They go to the weight room. Basically, when they get done, they go out the back door, 
we feed them lunch, and they're out. So we haven't had really, when you think about football, we haven't had a staff meeting, a full staff meeting, along with our players in four months. It's, everything has been visual. So we haven't even got to that part yet, buddy. <laughs> so let's talk. You know what we're trying to do? We're playing a physically a physical sport that has no physical distancing in mind, and we're going to try to do this. Hey. And, and I think every college coach in America is finding ways to try to reinvent himself. The Zoom things are fine, but eventually you have to come together and you got to practice football. Lincoln Riley just said, I don't know if it was yesterday or over the weekend, he said, there's a lot of people not talking about this, but spring football is a real potential opportunity here for a lot of people. And it's like, we're at the point where, I don't think Lincoln Riley said that's definitely going to happen, but he said it's right. something that we have to think about. Is there like a call that you're all on where they're giving you guys updates or is it kind of trickle through? How are you guys getting updated on what the potential yeah, We've been on calls with the Pac-12, obviously, with all the coaches and AD. So we're in full unison there. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, that, that has kind of popped up. And I think the thing that we realize that I'm realizing even more is that if, um, if this thing goes and it happens, can we make it through 12 games? And here's the part I think everyone, you know, and, and, and safety is always important. And you know that. I mean, safety for players, also for staff, because when you think about it in college football, there's about 110 guys, 120 guys, players. There's only 10 coaches. What if the coaches go down? <laughs> I mean, let me ask you this. Let's just say offensive coordinator goes down. The running back coach goes down. I go down. Who's coaching the team for two weeks? Coach. There's only 10 coaches in college football. Coach, the more and more you think about it, and if you look at the MLB, they're saying 14-day lockdown. If you get sick, get five guys, get a 14-day lockdown. That's seven games if they're your top guys. I don't know how any of this is going to work. Pat, but here's the even funny part. You say 14 days, but is it really 14 days? Because remember, you're out of work for 14 days practicing football. It's going to take you another week to get ready to play, isn't it? Oh, man. Hey, and you play. You about injury. Hey, and you play. Oh, boy. So <laughs> the game. Hey, the great thing about that one, I said it one time. <laughs> and, and by the way, you know what? I made residual. Yeah! 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 <laughs> uh, that's smart. That's good business out of you, coach. So the Zoom calls have obviously been something very new. And what has been your tactic? It's like, hey, let's just keep in what we already have. There can't be much like reinventing the wheel with anything, right? It has to be pretty basic offense, basic defense. Let's get to the practices. Well, when you think about it, it started in March. And because and, and, we spring ball starts in March. And in May, generally coaches go out, but due to the virus, we weren't able to go out. So we had more meeting time now than you would actually would have in college football. So we, we, you know, we've installed a lot of the offense, the defense. Now we were fortunate, we got uh, eight spring practices in. So we were fortunate that we, a lot of young guys, you know, we had 13 kids come in, freshmen. We, we had a big freshman class, but 13 actually were in spring. So that helped us. But the, the meeting time has been invaluable. That's the good part. We shouldn't have we haven't had the physical time running and working out and lifting. We've missed two months of that. 
Are you about to explode? I bet. I, I, just the coaches. Oh. I mean, it's. We've talked to. Uh, I forget who we talked to. We talked to Coach Satterfield. We talked to uh, Mullins down in Florida, mm-hmm. and yeah. I've talked to a couple of my friends who are coaches. Like my my guy here, Mitt's dad. It's like every coach feels as if because players football is a routine thing, right? Football yeah. is, and everybody thinks that's just for the players. Coaches are the most maybe robotic human beings on planet Earth. Whenever this thing pops off. How are you going to curtail back the first couple of days as opposed to just blowing guys out? Like, what is going to be the thought whenever you guys do get back on the field? And how do you control the horses a little bit? Well, I think it has to come in, in segments and you can't go too fast. And you just make a great point because they got to get in football shape. And right now they're not. They are not in football shape. We're, we're fooling ourselves and we know it. I just watched our freshman class run out here a little. And, you know, players say, well, I'm working out. Yeah, until they have to work out in front of the coach. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you see some of these guys, you go, yeah, you've been working out all right. <laughs> we're going to have to bring them in, you know, slow because the first thing is the soft tissue injury. Hamstring, Achilles tendons, all those things seem to be bad uh, when you rush players. And, and we're going we're gonna to think of the player safety first. That's the most important thing when, when you think about it. So let's talk about uh, your NFL life for a while, can we? Sure. Who's the best player you ever seen play football? Whatever you think, oh, when you think, you're like, uh-huh. you know what? Now, granted, we just watched the miracle at the Meadowlands this morning just to remind us of your incredible athleticism. The number 46 was an interesting number, but <laughs> that watching that play was amazing. For a reason. For a reason. Mm-hmm. What was it? Yeah. Not many corners in the league wore 46. When you think about it. You go back in the era that I played, most corners didn't play with 46. So that was so a- I, picked I picked the number because it was different. The only guy that played at World 46 that I can remember was uh, Washington that played for the Dallas Cowboys before I got in the league. Cool. But other than that, not many corners for World 46. Hey, so I was going to say it was a trash number, but instead it's it's a unique number, an anomaly. I didn't know. I see. I should have looked at. Never, never missed a start. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, 38, 38 interceptions. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, with 46, 46, it held up. Uh, hell of a number. By the way, when I watched that video, obviously I saw you scoop and score there. It kind of changed the way football is played. Now they just kneel out because of the miracle at the Meadowlands. But whenever I saw you running with that ball in the incredible spike, my next thing was number 46. So I guess it was a good business decision by you. It was the first thing I looked at. But here's the story. So as this thing's unfolding, you'll appreciate this. Dick Verville was, was my coach, uh, recruited me to go to UCLA. But I didn't go. I ended up going to Cal right out of high school. And so Dick's on the sideline. You could imagine Dick's on the sideline. His back is turned away from the play. And he's talking to Jaws, Jaworski, and Carmichael and Wilbur Montgomery, all the guys, saying if we get the ball back, we're going to do one of these, you know, throw it around ten times and see if we can score, right? And players are leaving the bench. And he grabs one of them. He says, where are you guys going? He said, Coach, Herm just scored a touchdown. He <laughs> never saw it. He never saw the play. Uh, it was amazing. It was a great, hey, great instincts by you. Just so happened to be in the perfect place. Now teams kneel it out, obviously. You met, you changed the game both physically and now as a coach. But who's a player, both in your time, maybe analyzing that you you looked at and you're like, you know what, that's a special talent right there. That is somebody that is just next level. Been a lot of them, but I think the defensive guy that comes to mind was LT, Lars Taylor. He wrecked the game. I mean, he wrecked the game. You never knew, because I would ask Jaws and those guys, hey, like, where, where does he play? So we don't know. He just lines up and just kind of runs. He just kind of does what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he wrecks the game, man. He just wrecked the game. I mean, he's just lined up. You know, it's just but great player. I mean, great player. And you always, you always needed to figure out where was he going. Is he dropping? Is he rushing? Most of the time, he rushed, and he, he was just—he was a fantastic football player. But he—he he was a special guy. I mean, the best football player to ever play, in my opinion. And I didn't play against him, uh, but was fortunate enough to meet him and know him was Jim Brown, mm. in my opinion. Could play he, everywhere. Could play everywhere. Yeah, by the yeah, way, yeah, he's a special man. When you think about the era he played in. It was not a passing era, right? I mean, they didn't throw the ball. When he played, just played through maybe, if you threw 20 passes in a game, that's probably a lot of passes. And so you think about it, he's six and a half, seven yards behind, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. You got 11 guys on defense that basically say, just tackle that guy. Uh, and they give him the ball and no one can tackle a guy. Uh, see, that's that's a good weapon to have, the ability not to get tackled. And Jim Brown oh, could not get tackled. Pretty good. Do you yeah, miss TV? Do you miss doing TV? Because you're, you're like I miss the guys, you know, and, and I think for you as well, you know, knowing you, you had a, a good, great career, you know, putting the football. But I think when you become a radio celebrity or a TV quote celebrity, whatever it may be, the impact you make on people, you have, you don't realize how many people listen to your show or watch you on television. You don't really realize that until you get away from it, till you like, oh, really? And when this is the funny part, you know this because you're on radio. Uh, now it's time I can't say can see you on television, but people know your voice. But not even seeing you. It's like, really? You don't know how many homes you're actually in when you're on TV or when you're doing radio, right? You don't really know the effect that you have. And, and I just think that, that that is important because we're all, at the end of the day, promoters of the sport, of what we play or what we look at. And, and I've always said this, I'm indebted to the game of football. Hell yeah. It's given me everything I could imagine even more. And I'm an ambassador for the game. I just want to make sure the game is, is handed off to the next generation in a good place. And, and they got to make it better. And, and, you know, that has always been my goal as a football coach and a football player. Coach, when you were out of coaching and we're doing the TV and kind of stepped away from like a 30,000-foot view, do you think that's helped you in your coaching when you've come back just, just to get away for a little bit to kind of see how everything is run in different teams and different leagues? You make yeah, it's a great question, and you make a great point. Um, when when you sit back from it, uh, you, you're never out of football. You're always you're still coaching, right? But I think you gather more information. You see it from a different perspective because you're not just looking at your conference. I'm looking at college football. I'm looking at pro football. College football is the lifeblood of the NFL, so you got to you know keep up with that. But you watch how the game changes, and I think for coaches, it's almost like a sabbatical. You sit back and you go. You watch how games are played out, right? You learn a lot about situation football when you just sit and watch it. Because you put yourself in that seat and say, oh, what if that happened to me? What, how would I think? Or why did the coach do this? So you get a lot of information, I think, when you said, and you get your energy back. This is an energy game. Oh, yeah. you got to have energy, man. And that's what I miss the most. Because when no players are in the building, and you know this, you're former player. The players have energy. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful thing. And the, and the greatest thing about the game of football, it brings so many different lives and relationships that you meet that, that you'll have for the rest of your life. The friends you meet from all different walks of life. It's a wonderful huddle. And every year, you and your coaching staff, as well as your players, you go on this journey. You know, we don't know. We, we got this journey. And it's, it's to get to the championship. It's to get to wherever. But this journey starts, and it's fun just to go through it. The process of doing that is just unbelievable. 
Everybody starts at the same spot. That's something that's forgotten about in the game. Everybody starts at the same spot. Any yes. any year could be a championship year. We're talking to Herm Edwards here, head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. You would have loved my faux energy, by the way. I came in. <laughs> oh, man, late in the season. People are dead. I come in. Cla here, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's go ahead and do this thing. It is next level, my faux. I think it's maybe what I'm remembered for. It's expected, right? It's yes, expected. Exactly. Bingo. What is one right? What is one thing from your time away from football that you've made, instituted into your coaching staff now? Like maybe it's strategy or how you handle things. Like what is one thing you think your time in TV has made you bring into the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, opportunity here? I've always felt this way, but even more now because of the new generation of, of, of young people that play the sport. Um, you've got to tell them why. Why is first? You have to tell them why first, because they all want to know why you're doing something. You can't tell them what to do, how to do it, and why they know. They want to know why. How do you grab their attention? Because they multitask. Oh, yeah. And that's how their brains operate, right? Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden, everything you do is more on a screen because they live on a screen. So the little kids, they look at a screen and gather all their information. How do you do that? How do you, you got to tell them why. This is why we do this. Now, their, their blinkers going, oh, okay. You know, they, they, they want information in 30 seconds. And if it's boring, then they're, they're, they're cutting you off, man. They just tune you out. You have to make it interesting. You know that. You got to make it interesting. I mean, half the time what we do, when we put stuff in, we'll put it in, and then we'll go, hey, man, these three proteins run this. All of a sudden, the protein, the film comes on. This was the same defense, same offense, same plays. Here they go. And they go, oh, pro football. Let's watch it. <laughs> Jeez. How's you got to do, do, man. How's you got to teach. We're teachers. You got to teach. Aside from the freshman crew that you just watched run, okay, how do you think the team's going to be this year? If I, you know, here, here, here's our deal. I say to freshmen, we only got seven seniors on the whole team. Uh, let's go, <laughs> coach. Get them up. Coach them up. Come on, Herb. Coach them up, baby. Coach them <laughs> you know, up. And they got, you know, they got so much energy. They don't know what they don't know. You just tell them, keep running, man. Okay, coach, I'll keep running. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, NFL legend, TV oh. legend, head coach of these Arizona State Sun Devils. You play to win the game. Is that a Ooh. book? Is that a book? You said it pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. My wife still gets the residuals. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, head coach, Herman. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys. Man. Good luck out there. Stay safe. Well, yeah, stay safe. The NFLPA had a conversation last week, and Brandon McManus tweeted immediately after that because Schefter reported that the preseason would be cut in half. Schefter was getting information from the NFL, which was basically saying, we'll cut out games two and three of the preseason. You'll play one and four. The fourth game is normally your closest uh, regional game anyway, so we'll keep those around. And then the NFLPA had a conversation, and Brandon McManus quote tweeted Adam Schefter's tweet and said, look for there to be one to zero preseason games as opposed to what Schefter's reporting here of two. So the NFL and the NFLPA are going to have to come together to figure out a return to play policy and i think the players are going to be very 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 headstrong about the preseason games not existing and let me tell you why it's been since the beginning of time the players hate preseason <laughs> there's no money you make nothing 
The owners get to sell tickets for the same exact price. The owners get the TV rights for the same thing. Beers at stadiums are the same exact price. Everything is the same exact price. And the players are making like 600 bucks a pop for everybody, right? So I'm not saying that it's preseason and it's football and blah, blah, blah. But whenever you look at it from a business standpoint, from the NFL player standpoint, there's a lot of risk for injury. There's a chance to get hurt before anything matters. And you're paying me next to nothing to play in these games that nobody cares about. The only people that care about this are the overreaction of reporters or journalists that say, oh, this team stinks, this team stinks, or this team's great, this team's great. Other than that, the only people that care about preseason games are potentially not guys number 49 through 53 on the roster, which, by the way, I think is a very important piece of your roster. If 49 through 53 can contribute on special teams and not be, you know, a hazard in the way of your team, that is a big deal for you winning long-term. So I understand the benefits of preseason, but if you're going to give players the option to vote out of preseason games, I will tell you what will happen. They will vote out of preseason games unanimously. Do you heard the NFLPA was like a 51% to 49% vote on the new CBA? And as the years go on here, we'll learn more and more about what went wrong or what went right about the CBA. But there will be a 100% vote against the preseason is what I said last week. And turns out there was a 100% vote against the preseason. This will be an intriguing give and go here by the NFL and the NFLPA to see who gives in, who wants what, because the NFL now has laid out an entire potential preseason if there was to be no preseason games. Three days uh, medical equipment. I assume that's move-in day where you get your tests. Then 21 days of strength and conditioning. 10 days of unpadded practice. 14 days of practice. 10 max with 8 padded in there. Then it'd be straight into week 1. That's 48 days. So if you do the math from July 28th, which I reported all teams will be checking into training camp. One week in advance rookies will be checking in for their rookie camp. That's 48 days from July 28th, which takes you to the first week there are two teams that are obviously playing on Thursday night, which will kick off the entire season. I believe it's Chiefs and Texans. Chiefs and Texans. So they might report July 25th if they want to get their full 48 days. But whenever you lay it out this way, as opposed to just the four preseason games, preseason seems a lot longer. <laughs> a lot longer. 48 days of preseason here. This is probably how it's going to end up working out. I like the thought that this is kind of uh, – uh, already got laid out because the union said, okay, if we're not going to do preseason, then what are we going to do? So the union said, this is what we think would be good. The NFL has to agree upon it, but there's going to be a lot of those conversations before July 28th, and that's just 22 days away from this point. There's going to be a lot to figure out. If we've learned anything from the MLB and the MLBPA, the NBA and the MBPA, the MLS and the MLSPA, and anybody else that's trying to get back, the NFL and the NFLPA have a lot to figure out here in the next 22 days. So my question to you, uh, when players look at it, they're like, well, we definitely don't want preseason games, but do they like like a schedule like that where it's 21 days in a row of, of like basically fitness training before they actually get into real practices. So that's what OTAs are. So OTAs are normally voluntary. You work out strength and conditioning, and then you have meetings. And I would assume that's what those 21 days would be. Now, granted, that's three straight weeks of just doing the same thing over and over. But since there's no OTAs, I feel like you would have a lot more diligence in wanting to figure out what the hell's going on here. The coaches are going to be unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> the coach... Tom, Tom McMahon, Emmett's dad, is going to be insufferable for <laughs> probably the first 24 days there until they get to padded practices. The, 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 the thought of coaches who are just, their entire life is, okay, we, we coach, we coach, we coach, we coach, we take a break, we coach, we coach, we coach. Now they've been locked in their houses, haven't been able to coach. They've been doing Zoom calls trying to figure out how to make it creative. Then they're finally going to be around the guys and for three weeks not even allowed to get on the field or anything like that. Coaches are about to burst at this. 
this point because all they want to do is get people better and all, all that. But I think that would be a very long time. But I think it's a lot better for guys if they say, well, we don't have to get paid 600 bucks to go play a pointless game where we have to potentially travel into another town. And then we pick up COVID-19. Oh, no. Then we go into quarantine. Oh. Then I got to shove this thing up my nose two times in a row. What are we going to do? Philip Rivers, uh, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Wild. <laughs> Philip Rivers, who was chosen over Tom Brady, mm -hmm. allegedly. Mm. I mean, allegedly was chosen over Cam Tom Newton Brady. Too. And well, by Philip Rivers is already signed. Nobody knew Cam Newton was going to be on. But I guess you could say he did. You get it. Philip Rivers, no Super Bowl, now on a Super Bowl caliber team mm -hmm. in the Indianapolis Colts, front offensive line ready to go, defense ready to go. Phil Rivers on the NFLPA call said, I have a question. Excuse me. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. What happens if a player at Super Bowl gets COVID-19? If a player at Super Bowl gets COVID-19, he's and he's asymptomatic, okay? He has to sit out of the Super Bowl? And they were like, great question, Phil. We'll get back to you. Then they responded, yes, that person would have to sit out until they test negative twice, 24 hours apart, that they no longer have COVID-19. And if you look at the CDC's website, there have been some false positives on some of these tests, COVID-19 tests, because of the cold, a, a, stand, a, a version of the cold potentially having the same things as COVID-19. There's been a lot of false positives. Now, I'm not saying that all, like, I am not getting into that. But I'm saying if you look into the numbers, there are some real potential issues around people not having actual coronavirus 19, COVID-19, but having maybe another thing that potentially puts there's going to be conspiracies now so if if one team happens to have five fails and those five guys go on twitter and say we have had zero symptoms we we still taste everything we're not hot we're everything like that boy it is going to be this is just it is going to get but hey this is the COVID 19 world now that is going to be something that's going to stir the pot a little bit you know because what if the cowboys have zero failed tests and then they're going against somebody. And then what, is Jerry Jones potentially controlling the test? And how does that all happen? I mean, there is going to be a lot to discuss here and a lot to unfold. But, boy, feels like the NFL is coming back. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. a lot to figure out. That's though. why I loved, like, the, the Cowboys signing Dalton, whether it was because Dak hadn't signed his franchise tender or not yet. But, like, say Dak does get COVID and he has to sit out for two weeks. Or if, if any of these star quarterbacks have to sit out, you're going to rely on your backup for two weeks. And those two games can make a huge difference whether you make the playoffs or not like yeah it's a big deal it's a big big deal if you like think about baseball yeah 60 games if guys fail a test they got 14 days lockdown i guess or something like that mm -hmm. like, Ooh, that's yeah. six seven games right there i mean you have two bad weeks you're done i mean there's going to be a lot of teams destiny no granted i understand that sports have nothing uh to compare with real life issues with I, let me go ahead and clarify that but boy, if people start failing COVID-19 tests and they have to sit out and then somehow one team is is not failing any tests, it's like, well, wait a damn minute. Well, well, who's doing that? And it's like, well, you got to sit out all your good players. You guys will have uh, the McDonald's squad on your team for taking on the powerhouse of this team. There's going to be a lot of people that are like, well, wait a minute. That can't happen. How's this work? Like well, that's what, they haven't released it yet, but like the testing in season, like I, I can't imagine that they're going to be doing it multiple times, right? Because it's also bad for the league if like the product isn't good on no, the field. They're doing it in the NHL. Mm -hmm. The NHL is setting standard. The NHL is going to do 2,000 tests a day. 2,000 tests a day is what they – so we're at a point, by the way, I just learned from the NHL that we do have enough tests. <laughs> yeah. Hey, congratulations. Hey. 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 
Now, granted, the same thing's going to pop up, though. Whenever you're testing this many people, what do you, you just need, what is the air level? Who knows? But there has been some false positives that come out. If you're testing 2,000 people a day, and there's just, what, 5%, maybe 4% of false, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, I mean, there is a lot on the line. It's going to be it's nothing to do with how serious. Like I would like to make sure that is clear. But if we look at this strictly from a sports standpoint, if you get some people that are just failing and then they don't even, I mean, this is going to be tough to figure out. What's up, Z? So with the false positive, is that the test fault or is that just, like I don't, that's one thing I'm confused about? So if you take another test, you're absolutely fine. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I like, have no idea. False positive normally like that. So like lie detector tests. Yeah. For instance, there's a lot of false positives. That's why they don't carry any weight in the actual courtroom but boy Maury Povich Dr. Phil love him right so that's the only thing I really know about false positives but I would assume and also there's some steroid false positives that's why they always have a B sample that goes out there so I would assume there would be another test but as soon as you fail one I bet you're at least quarantined for 24 hours at least at that point I mean it's just it is a never-ending cycle here of well do they actually have it they do okay should they lock themselves down and if they do that then what do we do with our roster I mean they're I think, I think what they should do is they should like have someone that's not does not have COVID and have them cough in their face. And if that person gets it, that means that guy had it. Bingo. See? And that's Smart. why that is why we've been saying this entire time. Jose Perez for commissioner of the MLB. It's always hard to get the proper nutrition into your body, whether you're on the go, whether you're working, or maybe you're just lazy and don't really think about it. A company has come along and made one scoop to make your life a better one, and that's our friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a one-stop shop for everything that your body could possibly fucking need from a nutritional standpoint in one clean scoop. I, I am a big fan of this Athletic Greens. I've never taken care of myself. I'm a noted poor eater, poor drinker, poor liver. And now that we've been on this run here for the last 11, 12 weeks, the thing that I've noticed that has saved me just a little bit has been my scoop of athletic greens. And I also have travel packets, which have worked out perfectly for everything we have get going right now. You need to get this into your daily routine because your nutritional needs need you to have you ready for whatever the day throws at you. You struggle to get in nutrient-dense fruit and veggies. You're looking to overcome gut health issues or nutrient deficiencies. You just don't feel as good as you used to. You travel frequently or struggle to eat as well on the road. You're an athlete or professional seeking enhanced performance. You don't want to take multiple supplements at home or on the road. If all of these things are yeses or any of these things are yeses, you need to get with Athletic Greens right now. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, and the imperfect diet. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Right now, you can get 20 free travel packs, which is valued at $79 with your first purchase whenever you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat that's 20 free travel packs which is valued at 79 dollars for free when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat respect your body appreciate your body fill it up with the right shit athletic greens has all the good shit for you athleticgreens.com forward slash pat 20 free travel packets the uh, Dan Snyder-owned Washington football team in our nation's capital is under attack yet again for its name being 
um, offensive. So a couple years ago, Dan Snyder came out and made a statement about his his stance being never ever changing the name of the franchise that he owns okay dan snyder is a guy that a lot of people would say tough to work with tough to work for the president although the president of the redskins last year whenever they were losing a lot of games said actually our culture is pretty good when all other <laughs> accounts said that would not be true okay so that place has been a dumpster fire for a while now a lot of coaches have been fired but a couple years ago there was an entire pr battle that was happening about the name of the team now he's stuck with it somehow i have no idea how it worked commentators broadcasters wouldn't even say the name while graphics on the screen said it in jersey said it it's always been a topic of conversation for some people and now fedex has gotten involved and said hey we will no longer be your title sponsor for your stadium if you keep with the name and nike has said we will not sell any of your merch if you keep with the name so that obviously led to an entire weekend of people trying to think of different names for the team Dwayne Haskins, quarterback of the future for the Redskins, in which everybody thinks, said, hey, we'll call it the Red Tails. The Red Tails is a good name. A lot of people started getting behind that. I don't mind that name. I think the thought should be moved from Washington to D.C. something, though. Hmm. And this weekend, I attempted to think of a cool name. Couldn't do it. I tried to take all the vitamins I could possibly take. Couldn't do it. But we have three weeks until team or players are supposed to report for training camp. He has no sponsor for his field, allegedly, and Nike won't sell any of his merch. Maybe this will be the time Dan Snyder mm -hmm. changed the name, but maybe Dan Snyder is so damn stubborn that he just sticks in, battles in, and takes the Titanic all the way down as far as he possibly can while the band plays, but it feels like a name change is on its way for the Washington football teams. In light of recent events around our country and feedback from our community, the Washington Redskins are announcing the team will undergo a thorough review of the team's name. The review formalizes the initial discussions the team has been having with the league in recent weeks. Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington Redskins, stated this process allows the team to take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the National Football League, and the local community it is proud to represent on and off the field. Ron Rivera, head coach of the Redskins, remarked this issue is personal importance to me, and I look forward to working closely with Dan to make sure we continue to the mission of honoring and supporting Native Americans and our military. We believe this review and will be conducted with the best interests all in mind. Signed, the Washington football squad. Okay, so even when I say it there and it just slips out, if it does feel weird. Mm -hmm. Always has felt weird saying it. But I, as a Caucasian man, have no idea if people are offended, like if the Native Americans are offended by this. And it's always come out that some, Dan Snyder always has like a group, he's like, well this particular group is appreciative of us remembering their name. And then there's always, then there's always like, well this, he says it's terrible. And if you think about the name, it, it does feel, I mean it feels it feels terrible saying mm -hmm. it. I mean, you don't just look at Diggs and go, hey, hey, white skin over there. You know what I mean? Like, that is not... Like, if, if at some point down the road, the Caucasian race kind of gets pushed out and there's a, a team, like maybe when I'm 90 or 95, and there's a team called the White Skins, I think then I will be able to give an accurate, like, whether or not offensive. Like, But it does feel as if this name change is happening. FedEx is out. Nike is out. I have no idea what they're going to name it. But I'm saying, hey, don't just get stuck on Washington being the leadoff there. Let's get a, maybe a little D.C. The D.C. United of the MLS, great name. Great. Mm -hmm. D.C. Defenders, oh. great mm -hmm. name in the XFL. It's when you get to the Washington thing, you always have to explain, like, well, it's not the state of Washington. It's actually the capital of Washington. Don't be scared to put D.C. in there. But they have three weeks 
weeks to make this happen if they want to do it before the season. That seems like quite a quite a tough task to handle with the time, but it feels like they're going to have to with the way Nike and FedEx are pulling out. The, the best one that I heard all weekend was was off of the movie for the replacements was the Sentinels. That, oh, that's, oh, that's not a bad one there. Mm-hmm. That's DC not a bad Comics? One. Maybe they're the DC Titans. Ah, Tennessee. Or <laughs> the, uh, the Washington Generals said they would sell their name. I mean, the football just, team wins just as much. As yeah, I was about to say, that's tough. That's a tough name. What that's about a t- the presidents? D- uh, well, DC presidents. Well, then everybody's going to hate it at least. You know? I mean, <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. Ever, somebody's going to hate them forever. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the way it goes. I don't know what you do. I This is not something that I would be good at, naming a team that has to change their name in three weeks, but it feels like they're inevitably going to have to change their name. But then people are like, well, what about the Chiefs? And what about the Cleveland Indians? Mm-hmm. And what about Indiana? Like, what about anything that has, oh, geez, Indian in it? It's like, well, that's a great question. That is a very great question. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, are we wiping them out of history then, if that's the case? Or, you know, like, Redskins is terrible. I mean, that is yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, boy, it feels like there's going to be a lot of these conversations that happen. And I'm just going to sit back, watch, crack some popcorn, and see what that D.C. football team's called here next year. Do you think there's going to be blowback when they do change this name? Like, not in the same vein as, like, the Confederate flag or anything like that. But it seemed like this weekend when all this stuff kind of broke that everyone was like, yeah, this is, you know, five years too late. Like, do you think there will be a lot of blowback from people about the name change? So for Dan Snyder, I think the way he could look at it potentially is a whole new merch run. Yeah. Right? Like people have to turn in all their old jerseys, but will they? You know what I mean? Will will the hogs, right? Isn't that what they, they have? The mm-hmm. hogs are yep. going there. Will they be upset if it's no longer that? Well, then you don't need, I don't know. It's a wild time for Dan Snyder right now. So not only does he have to figure out the COVID test that he's going to do for his, his team, not only does he have to figure out if his facility is going to be able to handle it all and all the procedures, I assume, that they have to do day to day. Now he has to figure out a new team name, new franchise, everything like that. And he could have done it years ago. Could have done it years ago. He's chose not to. Now they're starting to hit him in the pocketbook, which is the only thing that ever changes mm-hmm. anything, is when you start diving into their banks because it's just the way it goes. Dan Snyder. Maybe they're just called the D.C. Dan Snyders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who cares? They're only going to win two games. So, I mean, does it matter? Does it matter? Does it, though? Does Dwayne it? Haskins was giving people problems at the end of last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. just call it the Dwayne Haskins. Oh, I like that. D.C. Haskins. Okay, call it the D.C. Haskins. And when you get a new coach or a new quarterback, <laughs> call it after that guy. Theoretically. Or a girl. I guess we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there'll be a yeah. female starting quarterback at some point. Theoretically, outside of merch sales, do they actually need a name? Like, can't you just be Washington? The football, like, could you just be Washington, DC? Washington FC? They should just be D.C. football. DC DC FC. DC FC. Oh. DC FC. DC FC. Is that squad? Hey. Not bad. It's pretty good. Sounds good. Hey, CFO Phil, put a trademark on that. So damn. DCFC. DCFC. Not too shabby. That's more of a soccer thing. But I could already see the DCFC. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh man. Hey, that'd be pretty cool. Be strong. DC Football Club. Yeah, I like it. I think I like it. Think of the the. DCFC. Yeah. Did we just think of? I think DCFC is probably the name. Did we just figure it out? Yeah. You're welcome, Dan. I mean, you should have done this years ago. I mean, you should have got us high years ago and had us think of a name. But I mean, I'm happy we did this little word uh, uh, word shopping here live on the air. Probably should have done it before we got on there. But it feels like DCFC is a pretty good name. DCFC. DCFC. Joining us now, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, ladies and gentlemen, Charles Robinson. Yeah! Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Charles, that hat. That hat. What are you doing? It's my alma mater, baby. Let's go. Go green, Charles. You gotta, you gotta rep it. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Charles heard me. He did. Go ahead. Go green, go Charles. There we go. Hey. Oh, wow. There white, we go. White guy on the internet screaming, go white. Jeez. <laughs> Charles, that's very interesting. Let's talk about it. Um, congratulations to your Michigan State team for bringing in the top recruit of 2021. He'll probably not play there, but it's a good never. thing. Yeah. Never, <laughs> he will never play there. But you know what? It's good advertising. Yep. So we'll take it. Well, it's better than most advertising you guys get up there at Michigan State. Athlete A, by the way, I watched that this oh, weekend. Um oh. Man. 45 minutes <laughs> after the hour, let's start talking about some NFL, Charles, which you know a lot about. Uh, the NFLPA has unanimously voted against the preseason, which would have happened any year there was a potential vote by the players to get rid of preseason. <laughs> it's an underpay. Nobody really understands. It's good business for the NFL. The rollout of the MLB and the MLBPA has been one that we've all seen. The NBA, the MBPA. You're talking about MLS, MLSPA. Now, with the NFL and the NFLPA, they got 22 days, basically, to make something happen. How how do you envision these rollback plans really going and will they come to an agreement to ultimately play football by July 28th? It's not going to go well. I mean, it, I think what happened on Friday when the NFLPA convened its, its call, um, I think the NFL was a little surprised at how quickly you had players instantaneously cut right to the point about, look, how prepared is the NFL? to Like, J.J. Watt, I'm down here in Houston. J.J. Watts, I don't want to say he's freaking out, but He's seriously concerned about what's going on in Houston right now. I mean, things are ballooning here. The health issues are ballooning. Everybody's really worried about what's going on around them. And so J.J. Watt's sitting here going, okay, I could see us not playing any preseason games. A lot of NFL players are sitting here saying we're three weeks out and, and it looks to us like we shouldn't be playing any preseason games. That's one of the first problems that the NFL is going to have to deal with here, that, that there's going to be – a, a massive spate of players who are ready to report and not feeling safe, not knowing if all these testing protocols are going to work, and then sitting there going, why are we playing any preseason games? Um, I think the fact that we're only three weeks out and we are now grappling with what's real, all these players, nothing was real up until this point, um, probably speaks to the fact that there's going to be a knockdown drag out with the NFLPA as we get closer, but really once there starts to be positive tests and players don't want to go to meetings, they want everything to be virtual. They, you know, I, I think, I don't know how many guys have talked about it publicly, but there are a lot of players saying we should have no meetings in person. They should all be virtual. A lot of guys are saying we should have no preseason. We should basically mitigate as much as we can possibly mitigate um, before the season kicks off. And if anybody gets sick, we need to throw the brakes on. Um, instantly. I, I just think there are a lot more problems that people realize, and if you happen to listen to that call on Friday, we heard it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think this is... Listen, I love the thought of... I mean, I'm the one that broke the news July 28th, everybody. No big deal. No, but I still have yet to get any credit. I mean, that is the day that teams report every year so i didn't really break <laughs> any any big news but the business of sport and now in this particular case the health of sport is going to be very 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 contentious here whenever it comes to the nfl and the nflpa because the nfl is going to tell them their expectations on money lost and then the nflpa is just going to have to trust them and we all saw how the money thing goes with the nfl and the nflpa both this past offseason and 10 years ago with cba i mean it's just let's let's just get past it and act as if they figured it out which it's going to be ugly, but let's just act like they figured it out. Now, you happen to know a little bit about a guy 
who right now I would say is probably the biggest free agent out there as somebody who's played recently in Jadavion Clowney. What is going on with Jadavion Clowney? We saw we saw Cam Newton go for $1 million to the New England Patriots, right. which makes no sense at all. I hate everybody, the fact <laughs> that that even happened. But Jadavion Clowney, what do you think he's thinking about? Is he looking for best situation, most money still in your eyes? What do you think it's going to take to get Jadavion Clowney on a team? Well, he's um, either hard-headed or deaf. Like, I don't know which, you know. I mean, if you, if you talk to teams that are dealing with Bus Cook, his agent, um, are repeatedly telling him, like, look, this is where his value is. So let me – I'll give you a quick recap. The Browns being the most recent, probably aggressive situation. The Browns go to the table with Jadavion Clowney's agent and essentially say – we can give him a one-year deal if that's what he wants. We can get him a multi-year deal if that's what he wants. We can give, you know, we can get him in the range of 18 million per, close to 19 million per, and what not happen? And and so I will say this. Hey, go for There were a multitude of factors here, though. I, I think you know, does Jadavion want Clowney want to live in Cleveland? Does he want to make this his home? Does his family want to make this his home? I mean, these are legitimate questions that come up in the process but I, I think a lingering thing here that really kept that from being consummated and the Browns finally getting to the point of like all right man like we've rolled it all out there we got to move on to a Miles Garrett extension where you know and by the way your agent is also Miles Garrett's agent let's just talk to him about that and forget about Jadavion Clowney for now Damn. you have a number of teams that are sitting here going what's what's it going to take? Like, you know, the, the Seattle Seahawks would probably give him $15 million if he would come back on a one-year deal right now. I think it's going to end up being a one-year deal for Jadavion Clowney. But what he keeps saying to Buss Cook and himself is the season's not here yet, and I believe that someone's going to pop. Someone's going to show up and all of a sudden go, hey, you know what, we'll give you your $20 million. Even if it's on a one-year deal, we'll give you $20 million, and it's going to be the locale of your choice. I think if if... You know, Cleveland offers him eighteen to nineteen million. It doesn't work. If the Saints could offer him eighteen to nineteen million, he'd be there. You know, if poor um, Cleveland, by the way, <laughs> the dog pound, the dog pound is listening to this. They're just like, huh? We got a casino downtown. <laughs> You're gonna love it. We're on a lake. Hey, and they jumped through hoops. Like I, I you know, I, I think that, that pursuit by Cleveland, it was long. You know, it was very patient. It was. Um, I, I think there was a lot of working with Jadavian Clowney's agent to try and get this thing docked. And then it, it just never happened. And, and I think they ran into the same frustration other teams did, which is like, the numbers are out there. You're, some franchises have offered you numbers that are closer to what you thought. Um, some franchises have offered you 12 to 13 to 14 to $15 million. You're not signing with anyone. Like, what's going on? What's the math here? Explain hey, to us what the calculation is in your mind. There's no chance he'll take a, a vet men deal and go to the Patriots, right? <laughs> I, I mean, Ooh. let's be honest here. Let's no, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, he better not. I mean, that is something. If Bill Belichick ends up with Davion Clowney on a vet men, Cam Newton on a vet men, and all of a sudden the Patriots are back, I, yeah. I potentially. I potentially stop being an NFL fan. Yeah, I, I mean, I potentially. How many? Stop. Like, how many times are other franchises going to deal like pocket aces to build? Like, <laughs> you know, the, the Buffalo Bills are like, oh, Stephon Gilmore, you're just going to go ahead and use this as a farm system and sign our best corner, and hey, he might be the defensive player of the year. He, you know, you pick the guy to pay, and you hit. 
on him, you know. And, you know, I, I think back to, I remember in 06, Randy Moss was, like, cashed. Like, teams across the league were like, he's done. Like, it's over for Randy. He's 29, but he's done. Um, and no one factored in the fact that sometimes guys go to Oakland, like they go to Cincinnati, like they go to some places in their careers, just hit the skids. And, the, and you know, the Patriots are like, we'll give you a fourth-round pick for him. The Raiders are like, yeah, sure. He shows up, and even though – and people instantaneously are like, ah, I don't know if Randy Moss, this can be the kind of guy that works with Bill. I think it's interesting with Bill Belichick, some of these guys that people are sure can't work with Bill end up loving the living hell out of Bill Belichick. Chad Ochocinco, even though he didn't work out in New England, loved Bill. Randy Moss loved Bill until he didn't, but he loved him. <laughs> Cam Newton's going to love Bill. He is. It's, they're going to work well together. I put out a tweet whenever that fourth round trade happened, and I, I forget what I said, but I got uh, I got questioned in the office the next day whenever I came in. They're like, you want to talk about other people's business decisions on your Twitter account? It's like, yo, fourth rounder for Randy Moss? <laughs> <laughs> okay, am, I not allowed to, am I not allowed to talk about that? They're like, no, don't talk about that. We don't need anybody's business being talked about. I'm like, well, listen. If I see something that alarming, like that's what Twitter is. Like I am gonna, uh, I am gonna react to that. Obviously, Randy goes on. They become one of the most prolific offenses in the history of the NFL, mm -hmm. and that's because Bill Belichick's big old brain, which is what he's gonna do with Cam Newton. Charles, so let's talk around the NFL. We won't talk about the Patriots anymore because if they end up with Clowney on a vetman deal, I. I might, I might stop doing the show. But let's talk about rather large news in the NFL. Okay. Dan Snyder right now has been steadfast on the fact that he's not changing the name. Get the hell out of here. A couple years ago, they, there was an assault on the name. It was a PR crisis. New, commentators didn't even know if they were allowed to say the team name while calling the game on primetime. They're like, this Washington football team, while the graphic read the name of the team below. So it was like, it was very interesting, but he didn't budge. Now FedEx has gotten involved, said, hey, we won't give you any money if you do it. Nike has taken all that stuff. Those are two rather large sponsors. Dan Snyder seems to be, for all of his flaws, seems to be a pretty good businessman, still keeps people in that stadium somehow, even though their team has been a dumpster fire for a long time. What do you think he ends up doing here? And ultimately, who's going to decide the name if they end up changing it? Um, okay, well, a couple of things. I, I, I think people should learn from this situation the NFL, the easiest way to get to the NFL, to get to a franchise or the NFL at large, is to get to the sponsors. Get to the people that carry massive weight. Like when we got into the kneeling stuff um, in, in 2016, 2017, that was because sponsors got shaken and started going to NFL teams going, what is going on? You have to get your hands around this thing. This isn't, and, and that went straight to the top league office. Trump, you know, Donald Trump could say what he wanted, but it wasn't until the, the sponsors really started to sort of knock on the door that franchises started to panic. So I think Nike, FedEx, and remember, we're talking about even the, the minority stake owners with the Redskins who do not like Dan Snyder, who don't like dealing with him because he doesn't deal with them, because Dan Snyder makes his business decisions with a small cadre of his own people. Um, are, are trying to divest at this point because they're tired of dealing with Dan. And this name change was a, a good example. It took getting to the precipice for Dan to make a move. Uh, um, good word. You know, I, I so I, I would argue that Dan Snyder is a good businessman and that he bought a franchise that has a captive audience. He's been holding, the, you know, the Washington fans hostage for basically his, his entire tenure there and, and also the minority owners. So, to get to this point and, and 
you know, have it sort of unravel the way that it has is probably emblematic of, of who he is. In terms of who picks the name, you know, I, I don't know. I've seen I've seen all these different names floated out there. Um, I, I don't want to – I don't want to – specifically say who I, th- I, I do I think Dan's going to pick it yeah I think Dan's going to pick it I think Dan and a few of his um, close allies with some of his friends his, his small circle are going to decide what the team name will be I just don't think anybody leaning on him like people are talking about the Washington Red Tails and all that um, I, that's a great idea you know but does Dan listen to great ideas if he did I think a lot of his minority partners wouldn't be trying to divest their their interest in the team. Right? Couple couple follow ups there. Uh, the minority owners want to get out. See you later. Like there will be people that want to buy into the NFL all the time, yeah, and absolutely. I'm sure Dan Snyder feels that exact same way. When it comes to the name, I thought he was going to change the name years ago. I, I thought I was like okay because I, as a Caucasian human, right. I have no idea if Native Americans hate that name. I don't talk enough to Native Americans. I probably should. But boy, just saying it sounds, I mean, it sounds terrible. It sounds absolutely terrible to say it. And I thought a couple years ago, whenever the wave came, I was like, okay, he's going to give in. Here we go. Change the name. It's probably the right move. Now, with three weeks until the season, 22 days, and they still have to figure out all the health and regulations. How does he feasibly change the name of an entire franchise in three weeks while still figuring out all the COVID? I'll be pumped to see it. I will be pumped to watch it happen. I'm going to tell you how he will change it. Nike has gone to the Washington Redskins and said, hey, you want to sell any apparel whatsoever? You want, hey, you need money this year, right? You're going to bleed out a lot of, and you're not going to bleed out, but a lot of NFL franchises are going to go deep into the red this year. Part of the way that, that you can, you know, basically rally in that situation is if all of a sudden you have throngs of new memorabilia sales, that's going to help significantly. And so Nike has gone to Washington and said, look, we've got basically until the season starts, you know, you've got 60 to 70 odd days for us to print jerseys, to print memorabilia, new hats, all these different things. Get the name change done in the next week and we can pivot to that and quickly start to roll out, you know, new merchandise. That's what's going to push him is is what else? I mean, the motivation of money, what got him into this um, in the first place. And I, I'm with you. I, I thought this was something that would get changed a couple of years ago. I've always told people it's it's take the word skins and put any other color before it. You've gotten conditioned to think of if it was brown skins, you'd freak out. If it was yellow skins, you'd freak out. It's just you've heard the name for so long that you've become desensitized to it. Put any other color before it and you're going to go, Ugh, that doesn't feel so good. Ladies and gentlemen, an incredible conversation was had between me and the senior writer for Yahoo Sports since 2004. Still a company, Yahoo Sports. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Charles Robinson. <laughs> this Jorge Masvidal thing with Usman this weekend, Dana White just hit a scratch off here that it could be bigger than ever. It's Fight Island as well, right? The debut of Fight Island now mm-hmm. has a headliner in Jorge Masvidal versus Usman for the welterweight championship. And also, I would assume that the BMF title is also on the line. Yeah, because well. if you're walking, talking BMF, you lose a fight. I would assume the human you lost the fight to would now be the BMF at this point. I'm not sure if that means that the BMF will always live in the welterweight division, but I do know that a guy named Gilbert Burns, which sounds like an accountant. Yeah. 
<laughs> no offense to Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns can beat the hell out of me. Okay, I, I very much understand Gilbert Burns is a a savage of an individual. He was willing to walk into a cage. Two men enter, only one comes out healthy. Maybe zero come out healthy. I understand that. But for Dana White in the UFC, hearing that Gilbert Burns is out and a guy like Jorge Masvidal wants to get in, you got to be absolutely ecstatic. I can't wait for Fight Island now over there at Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. You got Jorge Masvidal currently in route right now on a private plane to get over there, taking on Usman. Both passed COVID 19 tests. This is a go. UFC 251, maybe one of the biggest main events within the last since they've returned. Honestly, yeah. I mean, Sugar Sean had a big time uh, fight that took up place. Thug Nasty took over some headlines. There's been some uh, uh, Gaethje and Jefferson, I believe. Ferguson. Ferguson and mm-hmm. Gaethje had a hell of a fight. But now you got a guy who knocks somebody out within, what, uh, seven seconds or something like that, who has, who has come from this folklore-like background where he's fighting in backyards with Kimbo Slice and beating the hell out of him. Now he's got a chance at the title, and it's coming off of a week notice. What a story for Jorge Masvidal if he could pull this off. And Usman, who's been training for Gilbert, okay? Anytime you're training for a Gilbert and Jorge comes in, completely changes the game. If you look at the fights that Connor's lost, normally it's been on last minute. Now, granted... Uh, um, rest in peace to Khabib's uh, father mm-hmm. and everything like that. But whenever you try to make that last-minute transition, normally, right, because I think we've learned a little bit more about the fight game, we're a little bit of a bigger fight show now, there's a lot of strategy that goes into this. There's a lot of game planning. Now what do you have? You have five days to figure out what the uh, opponent's going to do. And for Jorge, I feel like this is good news for him, as opposed to Usman, who's probably been preparing for Gilbert, Gilbert, Gilbert. Now Jorge gets to come in and just kind of spout off, I'm pumped for Yas Island, I'm pumped for UFC 251, and I'm putting all my money on the underdog Jorge. Jorge Masvidal at this point. Yeah, the UFC, big winner in this because me as a casual fan and a lot of other casual fans like me, I assume, Masvidal moves the needle more. Like, I, I was not interested really in the fight because Gilbert until Burns, Mas- hey, Gilbert Burns moves the needle. But <laughs> but it being the first fight at Fight Island, plus now Masvidal's in, that's a must watch now. It was very interesting because whenever we talked to Chael or Ariel, one of them, they said that the Fight Island was being used for international fighters. Mm-hmm because it was going to be difficult to get American fighters there. So Jorge Masvidal's team, his uh, agents, they're like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll get a private plane. We'll be able to land you right in the ring if we want to. It's going to be pricey. You will have to pay us back if you win, but we'll get you a private plane over there, no problem. Good for Jorge Masvidal. Good for the UFC. Good for UFC 251. Let's get to Bryson DeChambeau winning the Rocket Mortgage Classic at 23 under. Our guy, Ricky Fowler, started out hot. He ended up in the top 10, I believe, maybe top 15. He had not a bad day, but Bryson DeChambeau dominated that thing. And this big son of a bitch, he drinks nine (laughs) protein shakes a day to put on the weight that he's put in. Not only is he calculated and cerebral with his nerd-like actions and what club and how hard to swing, now he's put on some big boy Frank Thomas Nugenics-like stuff, and he's hitting the ball 350 an average. 350-yard average drive. Some of them are carrying 330, 340 at this point. He's swinging the big stick. He's still calculated. He's putting very well. I mean, the, you drive for show, you putt for dough. He's getting dough on both ends there because he added some dough. Bryson DeChambeau almost ruined everything whenever he accosted a cameraman for getting up into his business. His business. Stayed up about my business. 
Because it's mine, oh my. He had a bad shot, threw his club, cameraman right in his face, keeps camera on him. He probably wants to scream expletives very, very, very loud at a very rapid rate, notices the camera's on him, says to the cameraman, I understand you got a job, okay? I understand you got a job. But is there ever a time where you guys think about maybe I'm about to say some things that I don't want my family to hear or other people to, maybe we should start thinking about our images a little bit, our likeness a little bit, because I want to let you know, this is the new Bryson DeChambeau. I'm going to be around for a long, long time. I'm about to be at the top of this mountain. Last thing I want everybody to see is me dropping a couple MF bombs because your lazy ass won't shoot anything else with that camera is basically what he said. And in turn, the internet obviously made fun of Bryson DeChambeau for being soft and not being able to handle the moment. If you don't like the heat, get out of the kitchen, pal. But I think it was actually kind of a nice move by DeChambeau. My mom told me whenever I was a freshman in college, my first ever game was a uh, noon kickoff game of the week against Syracuse. My first ever kick was a 47-yarder on the right hash right before half. I think I kicked an extra point before that, but my first field goal, 47-yarder right hash. Kick that I've made since the first time I kicked the ball. I pushed it a little bit right, but I cleared the upright. So I, I didn't go out like a little bitch. Like I went out and swinging, right? But I went right, and as soon as I miss, they zoomed right into my face. National television, ABC game, my first game on there. I drop a massive mother, not happy, okay? Not happy about it. So whenever I get into the locker room, I'm kind of trying to figure out my, because I didn't miss in, in high school. I didn't miss one single kick in high school, never missed. So I played two years, never missed. Now granted, the uprights in high school are the size of a building. So <laughs> if, it, it, it's easy, you can hit a miss hit and that thing's gonna sneak in in high school. So that was my first ever real miss. Now it just so happens to be on national television. So I reacted the same exact way that I react in practice. And my mom told me like, hey, when you miss, you know, they zoom in very close on your face. It'd be nice if I couldn't hear every word you were saying by reading your lips. Like, you know, that'd be really good. So I'd always put my head straight down and yell. For golf, there's, there's no crowd right there, right? So everything they're saying is being streamed. I assume Bryson DeChambeau is looking for maybe uh, more sponsors and stuff like that. And all he wanted to do was let out an F-bomb. Can we give the guy a little bit of space after he almost breaks a club over his knee like Ty Schmidt in the sand? <laughs> he, like... I wish he would realize that, like, hey, if you do get caught on camera doing this, there's Better. a lot of people who would make you like you more. Yeah. I, also, would, I would like him more. Also, from the cameraman side, like, if I was a camera, like, hey, if I miss you doing something, I get fired. And also, sure. there's nothing else to shoot. Yes. Yeah. You have a commanding lead right now, and we have no fans. We have nothing else. But I don't like that everybody automatically buried him, because does he have kids? Maybe he has kids. I don't think so. Doesn't have kids. I don't think so. Oh, so this is just soft by Bryson. Mm-hmm. Just drop the F-bomb, dude. We'll sponsor you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get into a sponsorship. It'll be an F-bomb sponsorship, Bryson DeChambeau. If next time this happens, he lets one out big, we will sponsor him in his next thing. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what the price is, but we will do it. We will do it. We, we just want a little pin. We just want a little pin right here. That's all we're mm -hmm. looking for. What's up, Diggs? Oh, no. I was looking if he had kids. I can't, I can't find it. Maybe send him a hat even. You know, it'd be, it'd be No, the hat's going to be tough. That is... That's expensive. Prime oh, real estate. Yeah, that's oh, tough. really? Yeah, you got to remember, they're like NASCAR. The golfers are like NASCAR. Mm -hmm. I like watching golf, though, man. He swings out of his shoes. He swings how he you're does. not. How everybody tells you his not. His back's gonna oh, rip yeah. apart. Well, then his front foot turns completely too. Mm -hmm. I mean, he I does like it. a full. He yeah, he does. I love it. He swings <laughs> as if he's like an amateur, like one of us. Like oh, yeah. legitimately swings like he's one of us. I literally saw him swing. I was like, I do the same thing with my feet. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Do Both you feet. do nothing like what Bryson DeChambeau? <laughs> Both my feet do not move when I swing. Yeah, but you walk backwards. Like, he's yeah. pivoting and it's turning. It's moving. It's. By definition. 
I guess your feet are moving. Thank you. Thank you. Your feet are moving. But you walk you walk backwards while you're hitting. He is actually pivoting and turning. Yeah. Imagine if I did that. Well, that's what if you did, it would be the exact same and you'd be able to say that's what my swing looked like. But oh, you yeah. don't do that. Yeah, Zito hits a fadeaway when he swings. Yes, he falls out of it, it completely. looks way cooler. It's the Sosa does, pimp. And he does a Sammy Sosa walk. <laughs> I asked him, I said, I said, Zito, do you have the golf bug? He goes, nah, I just like hitting the hell out of the ball. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau is doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Imagine just be being a nerd going into quarantine and then coming out of it as the diesel guy on the thing. That had to feel pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That had to feel pretty cool. This is what the MLB uh, owners and people talked about in baseball players. They said you go on uh, break and then you come back and the guy put on 40 pounds of muscle. You're like, oh, that guy definitely took something. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Bryson DeChambeau just, just drank nine protein shakes a day. <laughs> That's all he did. Respect. Hey, he's bombing. He's ball. been in the top 10 since doing I was gonna it. Say, too. Effective. Yeah, yeah, it's working, making a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make even more, you know, trying to get that PG money. Yep. Can't have me swearing on camera. <laughs> I need to get this PG money. You know, Coke is potentially going to get in here. Mm -hmm. All these old companies that don't like people swearing everywhere. They don't really market on the internet. That's what Bryson DeChambeau is looking out for his brand and likeness. Have a little respect for the brand. Uh, Joey Chestnut, our guy, Joey Chestnut. Congrats to him. Hey, Joey. Joey Chestnut wins his 13th title. He ate a new record, 75 hot dogs uh, on the 4th of July. Nathan's Hot Dog Spectacle being aired on ESPN. He's now a 13-time Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest champion, the most of all time. Whenever you rank him, rank him up against other athletes, he's at the top of the list. Ra Rafael Nadal has 12 French Opens. Margaret Court has 11 Australian Opens. Shout out the Aussies. Bill Russell has 11 NBA titles. Henry Richard has 11 Stanley Cups. But if you look at one event being dominated by one person, Joey Chestnut stands at the top of the mountain. Now, Joey Chestnut is a guy who has a lot of sauces. He has some hot mm -hmm. sauces that you can currently buy. Joey Chestnut is a guy who once drank 12 pints of beer <laughs> in 67 seconds. Oof. Okay, So you could talk about these 13 titles in the Nathan's Hot Dog thing. You could talk about him eating 75 hot dogs being a new world record. You could talk about Peter King being a a BFS and talking about how this is disgusting and all that stuff. But what you can't talk enough about is that he once drank 12 pints of beer in 67 seconds at a New Year's Eve show in Indianapolis for us. 67 seconds. What he can do with his stomach and what he can do with his mouth and his entire gumption is nothing short of world class. And anybody that doesn't think he's an athlete, you don't understand the training that that guy does with his guts and on the inside. Mm -hmm. Well, it, Taking down hot dogs might be a little bit disgusting to you, but anybody who's got any respect for cheers, table, drink, watching him do 12 pints of beer in 67 seconds took my respect to Joey Chestnut, Joey Jaws to a whole new level. Now, he paid for it. He did. He, did. <laughs> he paid for it the next day. He was very, very hungover. But that man, the things that he can shove down his suckle is just next level. Do you think he gets bored? Like, he's got no competition. He it, laps the field. It's him versus himself at this point. Mm -hmm. And I watched the uh, Kobayashi doc was on the other night about how it wasn't really a sport until Kobayashi came in and took it to another level. And then Joey Chestnut over there in California California was watching and he was like I think I could do that there was a story about how Joey Chestnut and his dad used to eat both eat large pizzas on the way home just as a kid like he was always a natural born eater but then he started getting into the training and everything kind of took Kobayashi the hell out yep. mm -hmm. we got the American up at the top there I would assume that he's not getting bored I would assume it's like Usain Bolt 
where he probably could have fit in maybe 77, 78 hot dogs, but he knew, hey, let's break the record here. Let's slow it down. So then what? We can re-break the record. It's just like when Usain Bolt ran with his mm-hmm. arms yeah. out like this for the last 10 meters mm-hmm. while breaking the 100 and 200-yard sprint or meter sprints. I mean, it's just... I don't know how you continue to drive. Like, I don't know what, what's going to be next for him, but that's a mental warrior in there, and he has to feel absolutely disgusting after doing this. Uh, couldn't even imagine. Couldn't even imagine. I don't like, like messy foods. He's just got, like, hot dogs all over his face. <laughs> the, the wet bun. Dunking uh, the bun in water. I uh, just can't I just can't get behind that. Kobe Oshie said, when you can separate the taste from what you're doing, it's a lot easier or whatever. I can't. No, absolutely cannot. That's why I'm mentally weak. Good for Joey Chestnut. Shout out to um, everybody else's Aussie Rules football team getting better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Listen, Collingwood Mag. By the way, I heard Nick Nat talk a little shit. Oh, yeah. A little? He said he heard I'm a Collingwood fan, so he's got no time for me anyways. No time. No time for me. I want to let Nick Nat know I respect that. I appreciate that. And I want to let you know, watching this Collingwood Magpies team just completely crumble right in front of my eyes has been frustrating. Our guy Coxie's taking a lot of heat, doesn't deserve it. The rest of the squad not doing great either. They lose out on steel side bottom for four weeks, but damn. I want to let you know, I I thought I picked a winner when I picked the Magpies. And we are suffering some turbulence in our flight to the top of the AFL flagship thing. You get it. A lot of rounds left. I'll tell you what, though. Your guys' team seem to be getting better. (laughs) GWS goons are at the bottom of the whole thing. They beat the Collingwood Magpies. Now they're moving on up. Diggs' squad, all of a sudden, a bunch of losers. Now they're getting hot. Ty, how's your team? Hottest team in the league right oh, now. No oh, way. Oh, yeah. Cluggs is a fucking animal. <laughs> McClugs? Yeah, you McCluggage. Jay's team stinks, which is good. Stinks. Yeah, not great. Uh, but Zito's team is now number two in the league or we, something. We, uh, we lost Matthew Rowell. Big, big loss. But I think we're third now. Oh, my God. Uh, Billy, the, Billy's the up second. I wanted to let you know, we went from number two overall to number 10. It can happen quickly. Ooh, All know. you need is one party animal to get caught shirtless, <laughs> yeah. and everything starts spiraling out of control. Speedy recovery, Matthew uh, Rowell, though. Yeah, Matthew Rowell, T's and P's, your recovery. Evan Foxy, your team gets a fucking win out of nowhere. They put them on primetime television. By the way, primetime, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Interesting way to describe primetime. Yeah. I guess All you got to do for my Dockers, Pat, you get them primetime in American time. They're going to win. They're undefeated. So that's primetime Pacific, right? 8 yeah. p.m. So yeah. that is yeah. primetime game. The Fremantle Dockers are against the Crows there. Always. Without their best player, they came together because that's what this team does. They fall down seven, get back up eight. That Crows team is was that piss right? poor. Yeah, yeah, that was right. Port Adelaide? No, just Adelaide. Adelaide, Adelaide Crows. Piss poor. They stink. They can't be worse <laughs> than the Collingwood Magpies right now. <laughs> Collingwood Magpies can't fucking fall into a W. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Now, hold on. Here comes Billy. Comes marching in. He is not happy. Oh, boy. I guess that's two different teams, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we played Bill's Z- squad. We lost Xavier Dersma. We can't score right now. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a powerhouse on the offense. Ty, what do you expect? I mean, it's an injured team. They're, the they're banged up, dude. What do you Bill, want? Bill, we from? beat the fuck out of you guys. You're parading <laughs> around here, you know, like you're the best team in the premiership. We beat the piss out of you. I what mean, do you want me to healthy, say? Healthy, we're the best team in the premiership. What do you want? Uh, well, it's not, it's not about just being healthy. It's, it's not, about uh, being able to sustain throughout the entire uh, round, all the rounds. Coxie said. Coxie said, you get hurt almost every year. It's guaranteed. Oh, Billy's yeah, but, team but, is still at the top. Uh, still at the top of the ladder. Let's not get crazy. The Brisbane Lions is number two overall. Shout out, Ty. The Geelong Cats moved to number three. Gold Coast Suns in sixth. GW. U.S. Giants were once 18th are now 7th. The Western Bulldogs and Bailey Smith are now at 8. My team's all the way down at 10. Last year's champs, Richmond Tigers, who I believe A.J. is no longer a fan of. <laughs> he switched again. He has yeah. switched. switched. 
I think he's switched away from them. The North Melbourne squads, 13. Sydney Swans, 15. Obviously, all the way down there. And down at the bottom is Foxy Squad, who finally finds a way to win. By the way, only one win away from how many wins my team has. That's right. And your team's the Detroit Lions. That's right. I mean, that's what we do, though. We got our best player is going to be back. All right. Are you going back, fall down seven times, stand up eight? Are you going <laughs> fall down seven, get back up eight times? <laughs> no, you still didn't say it right. <laughs> what is it? Fall down seven times, you stand up eight. That's what I said. Get back up nah. eight. Nah. <laughs> and that's what the doctors do. They're coming back. They're going to win next week. And they're going to be tied with the Collingwood Magpies. And they're getting their best player back. Forever Frio. Forever Frio. Man, this Magpies team stinks. They'll be back. Is this a rut or is this real? It's a rut. It's a rut. Do we know that? It's a long season. No. By the way, there, I get tweets, a lot of tweets about this Collingwood Magpie squad just from top to bottom, about the, everything about them. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, interesting team that I'm a fan of, strictly because they got the American guy named Coxie, who people are telling to fucking kill himself, basically. Jeez. I mean, we're in a bad spot right now. Have you considered potentially jumping ship? Ha! Huh? I don't want to say that because I called AJ a scumbag for doing that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I've been pretty close here in the last couple of days about potentially moving over to that Western Bulldog squad because of that Bailey Bailey Smith it's mullet that that mullet. guy's got. Collingwood is mullet. still tied for third for best uh, best odds to win the premiership. Oh, GWS. Those, things, those things have been wrong the entire time. Go ahead, what you well, said? GWS is, uh, has the best odds to win it all. GWS? This team that was what down there. What are you clapping for over there? You're a goon squad. Yeah, just keep talking trash. Keep calling them goon squad. Keep giving them no credit. <laughs> they don't even know the sport. They're just out there kicking people in the balls. They're like stacking cops. wins and climbing that ladder. Peaking baby. too early. Peaking way too early. We've a lot seen of this games. Before. A lot, a lot of, of games, games left. Games. A lot of games left. Yep. Maybe not for me as a magpie. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thank you enough for listening. I know there's a lot of shit that you could allow to penetrate your ears. The fact you allow us to do so, I can't thank you enough. Massive announcement coming for our show tomorrow for our business, for our company. And to those of you listening right now, we can't thank you enough for rocking with us. Day in, day out, you help us live an actual dream. You're the greatest humans on earth. I'll forever be indebted to you, as will all the boys. Keep a heads up. And on a lookout for the announcement coming, Minyana. It's a rather large one for our company. There's no way never changing or going anywhere. Hopefully, we'll just keep doing this fucking thing and having a good time with it. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music. <laughs>